0: This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for content creators like you to bring your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Head to storyblocks.com 302010. That's storyblocks.com 302010.
1: And let them help tell your story. Matthew McConaughey battles dragons. Ralph Bakshi tries Roger Rabbit. And JCVD goes DTV this week on 302010. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the LaserTime Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back on a journey 30, 20, and 10 years ago into our pop culture collective past. And this is has to be one of the most interesting weeks in movies I think we've encountered in a long time. No Stone Cold classics, but some of the weirdest attempts at summer fair i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> welcome to 30 2010 everyone we're looking at the movies tv video games and more from 30 20 and 10 years ago when we're recording from this week july 8th to the 14th in 1992 2002 and 2012 so get ready we're gonna take you on a little bit of time travel to help you figure out where you were and what you were doing hi i'm one of your hosts chris Santista,
2: and i'm diana goodman and crikey i'm in a narrative
3: <laughs> <laughs> and i'm jerry ralton I'm a cartoonist. I drew all this. I have visions. I translate this.
1: Thank you. Yes, these are both just two of the weirdest footnotes in cinematic history being referenced right there. We'll get to pretty immediately. I can't wait to talk. About, I can't wait to thank our patrons at patreoncom laser More fun stuff coming to you every week. Thank you so much for your patience. Anywho, this. <laughs> oh, no. This is a little news to bring you in. And, man, this is the first time I remember a flare up over this term. Ooh, Ross Perot has an interesting way to referring to the crowd during an NAACP speech, and can I play a clip of this? Yeah. Now, I don't have to
3: tell you who gets hurt first when this sort of thing happens to it You your people do. Your people do. I know that. You
1: know that. Ooh, whew. I don't remember the you people thing being a thing until this happened. And Ross Perot, kind of a nut.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: but his, trick. his heart may have been in the right place in the speech well, this he speech. was
3: trying to say that this is going to affect the african-american yeah. community disproportionately his his heart was in the right place with this it's yeah.
1: just freezing mm. you people you freezing people.
2: yeah especially when you got an accent that thick
1: yeah just
2: it stick just adds a little bit to it
1: just stick with y'all I mean, it's Yo. not just coming back to the South. It is just like this gender-neutral, race-neutral yeah. phrase you can use anywhere you want. And I st- I didn't use it for 30 years because I thought it made me sound like a hick. But I, even though I grew up around it, man, y'all, it works very y'all well.
3: Y'all is a perfectly crumpulent word. Yes.
1: So much so yeah. that my, my uh, spell check doesn't even correct it anymore.
2: No. Well, I mean, you got to decide if you're gonna put an apostrophe in there yeah that's really the, the question no that's a, a missing thing in english is we do not have second person plural like mm-hmm. a lot of other people don't we don't have a vosotros so yeah y'all i'm a yankee through and through i use y'all it's yeah it's really I, useful
1: yeah i really like it now oh ross perot every time i hear his voice i'm like man that dana carvey impression was not that exaggerated it's so silly <laughs>
3: You, you listen to dana carvey do george bush yeah it's it's an extreme parody
1: by his own admission he said he by had to admission. had to exaggerate it to make it yeah. funny because he was such a chill dude
3: yeah he wasn't and funny it,
1: to do an impression of until he exaggerated it
3: you listen to him do ross perot and you're honestly not sure if it's him or the actual <laughs> ross can i finish can i finish
1: can i finish <laughs> okay i'm finished also in news 386 bsd am i saying that right yeah. Is released by Lynn uh Lynn Jolitz and William Jolitz starting the open source operating system revolution. Linus Torvalds releases Linux soon thereafter. Yeah, Linux. yeah. This
3: is a big thing because open software today is huge mm-hmm. and that is Utterly a thing that happened over the last 30 years. years, Microsoft at this time was calling open source software. I know this is going to shock you. (laughs) Un-American and a danger to software development. (laughs) And today, Microsoft is probably the largest open sourced software company in the world. 95% of Fortune 500 companies use open source software. And GitHub has 140 million open source projects today.
1: Yeah, pretty neat. I barely understand it, but I know like for video game consoles, I think PS3 had Linux supports. If you get a Steam Deck, that uses Linux. All these things that may not be possible if you're paying a massive licensing fee to a major corporation.
3: Yeah, and Um, a lot of it's just like people working out of the goodness of their heart. Going like, this is a cool problem. I want to solve it. There, I solved it
1: for the world. I hope the world enjoys it. Geniuses Mm -hmm. solving puzzles on their own. Man, so let's make a... Speaking of nerds, uh, (laughs) let's move into movies. Because A League of Their Own is number one at the box office. And it was really heartwarming to see some of your feedback on that. Because that's just a movie... Everybody who's experienced it kind of digs it and digs it a lot. And I, I just thought, like, I again, I think it's just miraculous because it has the, the earmarks of a chick flick, but baseball Trojan horses it into the hearts of everyone. Oh, it did thirty years yeah. ago.
2: The only negative comment we got, Chris, is that that is not Tom Hanks's first peeing scene. No, no. Money Pit has a <laughs> peeing <laughs> scene. Ah,
1: oh. <laughs> it's where it's where he got into peeing on screen. Yeah,
3: yeah. And at that moment, something clicked. Something in clicked in Hanks. <laughs>
1: Thanks, brain. But back to my nerd transition. Boy, was I here for this premiere. And by that, Me I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. It went straight to Fox. Mm. And kind of a big get, if you think of a new network or even a streaming platform today starting up, what is the most recognizable franchise we can grab and get our own version of? Holy shit, Julia <laughs> Montgomery, Curtis Armstrong, Red McGinley, and Robert Carradine, and Revenge of the Nerds 3, the next generation.
3: <sighs> yeah. So, this is from the writers of the first Revenge of the Nerds film. And I don't get that. Did they just forget <laughs> how to write over the last <laughs> eight years? Because, yeah, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds one isn't Shakespeare. For what it is, though, it's a good film for what it's trying to do.
1: And this Nerd is empowerment not... mixed with anti women. Uh, <laughs> s- yeah, well, no, there's the
2: plenty of things that they didn't age. Teenage. Yeah, but right. wasn't okay then
1: we, we were talking about it right. yesterday just because as little kids i guess our parents didn't really see see the rated r the r on revenge of the nerds so it was one of the only movies we could get our parents to rent us that had a ton of nudity in it
3: you know that was the same with me too i don't but there's this weird blind spot in my parents and many of my friends parents eyes when it comes to 80s comedies yeah. because we like rented police academy yeah which is also an r the first one yeah the first one. And, you know, but it's that general 80s trend of R-rated movies that ultimately go to children. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the uh, Police Academy television show, the Toxic Crusader cartoon yeah. show. Rambo and here, cartoon. You know, Rambo <laughs> Robocop, cartoon show. Yeah. And here you have Revenge of the Nerds starts out as a hard R. And now I'm guessing this is a PG film.
1: I don't think it has an MPA rating because it never went to theaters. But the second one dropped the R and went PG-13 because of how many kids ended up enjoying it. And I, I had assumed this was a backdoor pilot. Because it's introducing nah. a ton of new characters, but it that never happened, and it did get a fourth Nerds in Love movie it, after I this. I am
3: dreading 1994 and having to cover uh, Revenge of the Nerds 4, because this, this was a hate watch for me. I mean, I tuned in in 1992, and yep. I turned it off after a half an hour, so 14-year-old J.R., couldn't stand this. I was, but... I was
1: excited. John Panette's in this? Hooray! <laughs> but the, the, it's redeemable. It's sole redeemable quality is casting Morton Downey Jr. as the villain. And that hey. would that would yeah. be like casting like Sean Hannity as the dean in a, in a <laughs> college sex comedy. So every bad thing that befalls Morton Downey Jr., you can just be happy about because he was such a right self-righteous piece of shit and he deserves uh, to be tortured by nerds. And,
3: and today, the only way our younger listeners know Morton Downey Jr. is as (laughs) one of the Koopa Koopa kidlings.
1: Morton Koopa Jr., timeless timeless localization there, Nintendo. But yeah, this film,
3: I honestly think you could have made a decent Revenge of the Nerds 3 Mm -hmm. with this basic plot. Because Lewis ceased to be a nerd, and he started to hate his old nerd self in this film. And I think you could do a lot with that. You know, uh, what was your experience with the term nerd in 1992 i
1: think that's why i like the movie but it wasn't in any way cool to self-identify as a nerd no no
3: no no it was a for me i was accepting that i was a nerd at the time but that was not like nerd and proud it was just like this is who i I am (laughs) i'm gonna have to deal with it Yep.
1: so it's it's why when we first started podcasting I think a couple of us, maybe Michael and Brett, had the same like we were closeted nerds. It wasn't cool to talk about video games and comics in public. But the kids yeah. who did would like secretly come to you, Hey man, you read read the new Spider Man? You play that you play the new contra? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the code, here's a code. Like and people would come to me to like confide in me about their nerdiness.
0: You wanna buy a watch? Yeah
1: yeah yeah let's yeah yeah football anyway dude give me the konami code one more time i swear i'll memorize it this time
3: and (laughs) that's why i think you could have made a good revenge of the nerds 3 it's just it's not this film yeah you know uh if this is a pass the torch film then they needed to have the characters just have from the original revenge of the nerds just be cameos to pass the torch but they don't do it it's about half the old nerds Half the new nerds. I never connected with any of the new nerds. Yeah. And of course, because it's 1992, we have to have a rap song, guys. It's required <laughs> by law. Oh,
2: God.
1: And that, is, is it going to beat the one at the Hotel Oral Sex from the second one? Let's find out. christ jesus christ that's very 1992
3: yeah yeah and and there's a there's a fair amount of comparing the nerd struggle to malcolm x in this film well
1: if you remember they had to align themselves with the lambda 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 all black fraternity because nobody else would accept them on campus
3: yep Mm. 1980s jr didn't get the humor in that no i didn't understand why it was funny okay they're joining this fraternity what's the deal i didn't it was a joke went right over my head and and it's a joke that I
2: actually a commentary on how the proletariat class must unite despite their differences. Yes. The the rural poor and the urban poor have more in common with each other.
1: And, and just Uh, the open exclusion of the eighties. I don't think kids will really get right now. like, really? They cast out all the smart people and the black people. Like it was was the (laughs) eighties. It was the eighties still, which is basically the fifties. And then moving on to a movie, little chris wouldn't watch <laughs>
2: oh my god okay we just spent way too much time on Revenge we did three, so <laughs> i i can't spend too much time on this movie but this is a weird the, fucking movie and it's one of many films this week that i don't know why this exists like how did they spend money on this they greenlit this people came to work every day and filmed this movie that's just fucking weird
1: <laughs> prelude to a kiss is what we're talking about with alec baldwin oh i
3: thought we were already skipping ahead to the next film
1: oh were we no uh, No. alec baldwin meg ryan sydney walker kathy bates ned Beatty, patty duke stanley tucci and deborah monk
2: the tucci's loose so i've heard this play is good and that this is a terrible version but um it's basically freaky friday <laughs> but with meg ryan and an old dude <laughs> Wow. Yeah, Alec Baldwin Meg Ryan. It's like, it starts out as a rom-com. Meg Ryan and Alec Baldwin don't have a lot in common, but they fall in love. They get married at the wedding. This old dude shows up. It's like, oh, let me give the bride a kiss. And when he does, they switch bodies.
3: <laughs> does Meg Ryan then get intimate with her new husband while having the brain of an old dude?
1: Gotta try out that geriatric dick.
2: Uh There's some stuff like that about, Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Um, and, you know, him realizing, like, something is Is this off. a
3: consensual body swap? Or does Nick no. Ryan go, like, you have trapped me in a body that's going to die in, like, ten minutes. Can you this imagine yeah. a
2: death no. sentence. giving a no, 20-something
1: just, starlet no. old saggy balls, like, overnight? That is so funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, the whole point is, like, he ends up falling back in love with her, even though she's in an old dude's body. You Jesus. know, he realizes that, like, ah, oh, I was being... Very, you know, shallow, and you know, our connection goes beyond the physical romance, romance, romance. Uh, I love you.
3: But he, He's so <laughs> gonna die in like a week or yeah. even ten years, and yeah, that's like giving someone a horrible illness to age them up sixty years.
2: Yeah. It's, like I said, I've heard the play is actually quite charming and sweet. And this movie, everyone who liked the play hates this movie. Everyone who saw the movie hates the movie. It's just, it's baffling. I think, how did this get made? dude? Did it? And there was just an awful lot of screaming of, why? Yeah. It, why?
1: A, a movie that defies genre and classification. Yeah. Who is this for? The yes. summer movie audience. Oh.
2: <laughs> it's like, I guess it's a romance. I guess, but so much of the time is, you know, this old dude wandering around acting like Meg Ryan. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's not making me think of Romanza. That's making me think of Get the Net.
1: If, 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 and if that wasn't a bizarre enough entry for this weekend film, Fuck. Th- one of the most fascinating and bizarre failures in cinematic history, in my opinion. Maurice LaMarche. Ooh, a little bit of voice acting. What's going on here? Uh, Michael Lally, Janine Jennings, Joey Kamen, uh, Charlie Adler. I think that's Buster Bunny, the Crypt Keeper. Uh, Frank Sinatra Jr., he- well, hello, Deidre O'Connell, <laughs> Michelle, I mean, Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, and Kim Basinger in t- both real and animated form. Ladies and gentlemen, it's fucking cool world. Our world and their world. Noids do not have
0: sex with doodles. Are about to collide. i your best. I'm made but I'm no dream. But Holly said we could watch. A man is in the bedroom. Come on, make me real.
4: This is the biggest disaster the cool world has ever seen. Let
0: me! Oh, ah! Cool world.
2: I just want to be real.
1: Ooh. Whoa, whoa! Uh, so I
2: listening to that does not express how weird this is.
1: It it's <laughs> so weird, and it's so weird. Paramount wanted to make it in the first place, but it is. It's so fascinating for me to talk about as an animation fan because Ralph Bakshi, the director, I I think came up with a story as a fascinating career. And like most of it is thumbing his nose at Hollywood and persevering by making independent and I'll be honest, semi-unwatchable in modern (laughs) eyes. If you get really high and, and just imagine this is the 70s and some guy is trying to... Work in the hardest, most difficult medium with as few people and, mon- and little as money as possible. The stuff he did is amazing. It just doesn't hold up very well. And he, this is finally he he has had like two self imposed retirements from the movie business at this point, and is semi lured back by Paramount, who wants to take a big risk for that Roger Rabbit money with one of the more notable animators in the business. And it does. You can see you animation is a difficult medium, and you can just see in this movie where like. Man, this was butchered by studio notes. This clearly yeah. wanted to be rated R and yeah. Oh, yeah, pulls yeah. with it punches. It was
3: pitched and sold as a yeah. R-rated animated film, which would be a tough sell in 2022. Yes. I don't get how they got through the door in 1992 because I can't think of a single successful American R-rated animated film
1: ever. Only, only you know, it's only like Beavis and Head do America and South Park. Okay. And, I, and and South Park was not yeah. very successful at the box office. It earned its cred much later. Beavis and Butthead was instantly successful. Yeah, but, okay. but is Beavis point. and Butthead actually R though? No, I, actually you're right. I don't think, I it, don't is. think it is.
2: I don't think it is. Also, I just watched the new one and it was fantastic. It was amazing. But uh, I mean Smart yeah, usually, usually you're used to like heavy metal as being like yeah. oh that's the R rated thing, but that's you that's know, not good. a honestly, It's horrible. Oh, I love it.
1: And it's it's <laughs> I love it. I, I think that's have you that's ever watched it sober? Yeah. But I, I most oh, recently okay. watched it on acid, and it was great. Well, oh, okay. yeah, it's <laughs> not sober, right. but yeah. Um. <laughs> I just said and most right. recently, I, but but Ralph Bakshi he did kind of make the first studio R-rated movie, R-rated animated movie with Wizards, and hmm. it wasn't wildly successful. But what he had done, due to his love of rotoscoping, if you'd seen the Lord of the Rings movie from 1978, he had Oof. kind of was the only person who had experienced mixing live action and animation. And Roger Rabbit is a huge success, and like, why not? Well, let's go for it.
3: Yeah, I, I watched the Hobbit. Hobbit's uh, great. The Lord of the Rings, and then the Return of the King, all in a row, Oof. while recovering from neck surgery, high on painkillers, and it was just barely watchable to me. Yeah, while yeah. on pain.
1: And killers. sometimes I, barely animated.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. No problem if you like his stuff. I do not. I do not enjoy watching his oeuvre. I don't it's, think it's, it's entertaining. Super
1: icky and ra- uh-huh. He tried to. He's a white guy who tried to make movies starring black animated characters, which is something nobody would like greenlight anywhere. But the effort doesn't come off as very sensitive yeah, or, yeah. or worthwhile. Mm.
3: Uh, I, I don't think Disney had a single animated African American character in the twentieth century.
1: Um, yeah, maybe
3: it the might. The
2: crows in Dumbo. No,
3: no, I'm talking <laughs> oh, Jim about Jim Crow. Humans. Oh, I'm talking about humans, humans but yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, uh, but anyways,
3: you know. yeah. So good on him for at least attempting something. But I don't like his work today. In 1992, okay, I am not kidding when I say Jessica Rabbit was part of my sexual awakening. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 1992 Jr. was so excited for Hollywood. Yes. I was like awesome. I haven't had a new Jessica Rabbit since that trail mix-up short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm down for Hollywood. I'm I'm going to go see this. And it was such garbage. Okay, I wanted to visit Toontown. Okay, yeah. visiting Toontown sounds like a great experience. Being trapped in Doodleville, what is this place called? Uh, Tattertown. Cool I've... <laughs> cool T- whatever it's called. It sounds like literal hell. Like... It, it would be a punishment for my sins to be in Cool World because there's, like, all this constant yelling and jumping and dirty, and this this place looks like you can get an STD by walking <laughs> through it. I mean, it, uh, it, it yeah. is a yucky place to be, and I didn't enjoy being there. And yeah. Hollywood couldn't hold a candle to Jessica Rabbit as a character Except... because Hollywood's character is all over the place. Her yes. motivation changes every 30 minutes in this
1: film. And she seems to know things about the combination. It doesn't treat Toontown like a town where Toons live among us. It's a secret world that b- doesn't exist in our realm, but she wants to come to the human re- I have a feeling this movie was pitched, what if Jessica Rabbit had a sex scene? Because there is mm-hmm. a pretty awkward sex scene poor gabriel Byrne has to fuck a cartoon yeah
2: oh, i, I the, just say, the two interaction well,
1: in this film is garbage yes
2: that's Puffin. what i wanted to say when you said walking through cool world would give you an std it was like walking through is all you can do because the there is the interaction is so bad and everyone just looks like they're standing on a blank set yes and things have been animated around them it's not so natural like it is in Roger Rabbit where you just forget. Yep. You forget that, yeah, Bob Hoskins is yelling at nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins is so kids, awkward.
3: Bob Hoskins' kids were upset that he didn't introduce them <laughs> to the cartoon characters when they watched <laughs> him in that film. And I get that because it's so... Freaking natural in Roger Rabbit, and here it's stilted. They've had years to get it better, and it's so much worse. So it, much. It, 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 God awful so there, worse. there
1: is there is a fascinating branch of animated history here, especially because like you know this week with Cuphead winding down. If you're a Cuphead fan, the Roger Rabbit was a celebration of kind of the golden era of animation, and by that I mean like the stuff that was preserved well and people remembered. Ralph actually loved Terry Tunes, and. The Fleischer work that inspired Cuphead, and I would guess some of the Ub work stuff that has been sort of lost to time. He's a guy who co-created Mickey Mouse and then went off to make these kind of adult-oriented, skeevy, smoky, s- sexy cartoons that didn't get shown on television because they're not really for kids. And he lives in, in that world, and also at this time, Ralph Bakshi had kind of inspired John crick Feluci. Uh, John Kaye from Ren and Stimpy, and he had kind of this edict, like, fuck writers. The animators are the writers of animation. We get to draw whatever we want. And he kind of gave that edict to the animators. So when you see it, they're not choreographing all these cartoons to interact well. He's like, just do cool animated sequences and Brad Pitt will walk around. Yeah, have these...
2: Apparently, the animators didn't have a script.
1: Yeah. 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 That's you... not a good idea what do you know it, it can be but like that's it didn't, an
2: art project that's not a narrative it film.
1: didn't work out for ren and stimpy it got the creator fired for like not scripting things well enough and taking forever to do shit and ralph actually is like the clint eastwood of animation directing like <laughs> it's fine we don't need to redo that don't think too much about it let's just go we don't have a lot of time we don't have a lot, have a lot of money and just it should look cooler but like man their toontown has live action set elements that are fucking Sub Paula yeah, Abdul well, video for,
3: for some reason they decided we'll animate it and then we'll cut to literal cardboard cardboard sets. cutouts for some reason it is it, this know?
1: movie is half the budget of Roger Rabbit years later so like yeah. i say to some but, people what could you expect with that kind of money it's like, I, it I, feels like the studio and Bakshi both duped one another with this and neither got what they wanted mm, and
3: yeah. is this Brad Pitt's worst performance
1: of all time
2: oh it's pretty bad he and he's he's a noob man yes he's just v- broken out
1: with Thelma and Louise this is sort of his first starring role and I would still posit Brad Pitt I can't tell if he was if he got to be a great actor or I just accepted his barely trying <laughs> kind of thing cause, yeah because I pretty fucking bad in this yeah he was yeah. he was a pretty boy with not a lot of acting training and I
2: I, I think
3: there's some timeline where this just ends brad pitt's career like i think oh, yeah, that yeah,
2: that yeah. so
1: few people saw it it didn't harm okay. him at all yeah.
2: <laughs> and, yeah it's just yeah it's so weird because he's got so much charisma in film and louise and just is is he drunk ladies I mean, call like, that charisma part of it i think is also know,
3: part of it is i think how this movie is shot because there's so mo- many weird tonal shifts yes mm-hmm. we go from Brad Pitt being a shell shocked soldier who just saw his mother die in an accident, he's at least partially responsible for before his eyes, having to flashback to being under shell fire to <laughs> I'm gonna live goofy here. tune shit. I mean, it's that direct of a cut, and I don't know how that affects your viewing of any performance, you
1: know. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know. Can I say one nice thing about it?
1: Yeah. Sure.
2: Great soundtrack.
1: Yeah. Yes. And, and I had a ba- great Bowie
2: Thompson twins, Ministry cult, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I I had a
2: early movie. I just early swapped moment.
1: swapped out of animated background as my phone wallpaper because there are some good animated backgrounds here. It's just there's just wasn't enough time spent on anything, and it, it seems like Roger Rabbit was the mandate. And yep. tonal shifts in animation. We're gonna have our squash and stretchy characters, but then there's just pure like rotus like drawing, like like what do you call that thing that uh, uh oh my god, I lost his name, but Scanner Darkly and uh, yeah. Waking Life, yeah. like it, yeah, like guy. you go from like a Tex Avery character to that, it, the same character it, like just doesn't work very well. But Ralph Bakshi is a utilitarian animator. Some of his okay. movies are just animation over photographs.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, you can you can say he didn't have the budget you can say he didn't have the time or whatever because this does look like it was animated over a four-day weekend (laughs) uh not the gorgeousness of roger rabbit but that doesn't explain like the glaring plot story story issues yes Uh, roger rabbit i understand toontown its rules make sense to me we learned very early on uh that dip will kill a toon here, they introduce a magic pen, and then it's never used again. And then they, <laughs> at the very end, they say, oh, if you're killed by a toon, you become a toon yourself. And that was never mentioned before that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Just so uh, Brad Pitt can become a toon himself Doodle. and live on forever and fuck his toon girlfriend. And who is the hero of this film? Yeah. Whose yeah. story is this? Is it Brad Pitt's? Is it the cartoon animator who got out of prison for killing his if you, wife's if, if lover? If you, if you look, these Kim are- Bay?
1: I think all yeah. of this is cobbled together from unfinished scripts Ralph Bakshi had been working on because there are kind of two movies here, and yeah. and 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 then and then I think let's make Jessica Rabbit the star and also the villain, <laughs> the, our hero and our villain. She
3: switches from being yeah. Mm-hmm. You could start out thinking okay this is her story and then it's like oh no you're the villain.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, mm-hmm. and and what is the rule for how people go from Toontown? Gotta to to- have sex, baby. yeah but then there's the spike and it's not clear doesn't have it and hollywood and others just go back and forth whenever the plot calls them to do it
1: it's it's not clear but Uh. i i still think cool world isn't good but it's still sometimes kind of cool it is Uh, it is not coherent
2: it's an attempt yeah yeah all right
1: hollywood
3: has lived on as a character mainly at cosplay events to like be like paired up with jessica rabbit cosplayers and that's the only influence this film has had over the long term and yeah i, I do have to say it's a major plot point on this film that hollywood has been trying for decades to find some human to have sex with her and she keeps failing (laughs) and i've been to deviant deviant art sir so that is bullshit (laughs) she could have found one on day one
2: yeah yeah i guess i mean i applaud big swings yeah but uh, i hate it when yeah you can tell things went wrong Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it's right there on the screen things were going wrong while you were making this
1: yeah like uh, like your sex scene is part of this whole pitch and then trying to make it pg-13 and uh, i think there was some fear of controversy for make. there's still no one had yeah no one had made a big budget studio r-rated cartoon holly wood's original
3: name was debbie dallas (laughs)
4: Clever. they made him change
3: that and uh originally ralph bakshi wanted Drew Barrymore to play Hollywood,
4: oh. who would
3: have been 16 at
1: the time of the Jesus. filming. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's always a creep. Fa- this guy also made the first rated X cartoon, if, if this yeah. wasn't clear. Fritz the Cat. Uh, it's something, if you're like me and like cartoons and weird studio movies, it's a really fun thing to watch. We did a commentary on it, I believe. In our live action animation hybrid pack with Roger Rabbit and Space Jam. It's a fun watch if you have friends who like bad movies and a really awesome footnote in animation history.
3: Yeah, I I feel like a lot of people like to support edgy avant garde. Films that Hollywood doesn't like to make, mm-hmm. and that if they went and saw this film, they were punished for supporting those movies.
1: Yes, because to, to <laughs> show, to, to, JR sent a link because I, I, I saw it earlier, but to show you how big it was, almost no one does a, a, a what do you call it, an installation. An advertisement involving the Hollywood sign, but they stuck this mm-hmm. character on at a great expense. Hollywood sitting on the famous Hollywoodland sign, and people were super upset just because that thing had never really been fucked with on that level in the history of Los Angeles. But you can see pictures of it th- as part of the movie's promotion. Pretty big, yep. cool world, ladies and gentlemen. We have to move to, to the oddest number one <laughs> number one movie, but Jean Claude Van Damme. Whew! Look at this cast: Jerry Orbach.
2: Yeah. Oh, As a scientist. Detective
1: Lumiere is in this. Tommy Tiny Lister Debo is it? Michael Jai White. What? Uh, Leon Ripley, Eric Norris, uh, Ed O. Ross, Ali Walker, Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme in Universal Soldier. The Army of the Future. Almost human. Almost perfect.
4: Almost under control.
1: We're going after them, but the future has a bad attitude. From the studio that brought you Terminator 2 and Total Recall, Universal Soldier. Universal Soldier. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme is in his heyday, and so big he doesn't he abandons this franchise like he did Kickboxer, and it goes on to make like three or four straight-to-video sequels before he eventually returned to the series. But yep, this this is. This is his breakout role. This is when he no. becomes a big star in his own. Yeah, right.
2: it's like, oh, he's a star. He's not yeah. just a movie star. He's I guess I guess mom. you can say
1: that. But he he had yeah. plenty of hits still. He'd had plenty of hits, but this is like the first no, this one has a studio budget. And yeah. and it made a ton of money off of
3: And this is the start of Roland Emmerich yeah. teaming up with Dean Devlin. <laughs> 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 yep. Uh
2: it's true though. No, this is Roland Emmerich's big breakout movie. Yeah. His next one is Stargate, and then it's all Godzilla's and independence days and days after tomorrow after that. It
1: is and it is Robocop meets the military minus yeah. any of the subversiveness subtext of the well, original RoboCop.
3: No, I, I know a little. What, I know what Van Dam was thinking. He was thinking Arnold did the Terminator, where yeah. he played this soulless robot. I'll do this, and this will be my Terminator, And, you know, he, he's a decently right in that regard. It's just he doesn't have the charisma of Arnold. He just doesn't. He's too pretty.
2: It's just it's a different kind <laughs> of charisma. Uh, I mean, the basic story is these dudes are soldiers in Vietnam uh one of them goes kill crazy guess which one and then they're <laughs> frozen and then they come back and now they're super soldiers. so you got a little bit of demolition man in there before demolition man you got a whole bunch of terminator too because you got you know two super soldiers trying to kill each other chasing each other around a whole bunch and it turns out like oh and their memories were wiped so now they're just perfect killing machines so you got robocop in there too you got you know a little sprinkling of everything, but, and, everything you like,
1: and, and bringing it all together. It's the first on-screen pairing of Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme, which has extended into this week's Minions: Rise of Gru. They are <laughs> they are both in that movie, as well as The Expendables. Unbelievable. Ah. Before this, what what were were there any action movies with two big stars teaming up? Sure. Oh, teaming up. Well, I, I was yeah. thinking. I was just thinking of the Rocky movies, but that's sort of Dol- Dolph Lundgren's breakout role. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't really know that that was happening yet. We had a yeah. handful of action stars, and they could hold everything pretty much on their own. If team them up with a pretty lady, an old classic uh, character actor giving them orders.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The idea of them going head to head so much yeah yeah and the movie like it's fine i mean it does just feel like a b rip off of well, everything that we just mentioned yes uh,
3: as i've said many times it's the washable. 80s action films are dying before our eyes and this is an action film it's not really a sci-fi film we're we're just seeing a bunch of
1: action straight up there's <laughs> a bunch here. of footage in the desert that just made me write the word sad max and <laughs> 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 it's really low yes. budget shots uh
3: going uh but this film series had a ton of sequels i didn't watch any of them just googling around though apparently the only one that would possibly be worth watching is called day of reckoning so i don't know it is it is
1: three straight to video sequels two made for tv sequels and i think after that jean-claude van damme once his career is waning this being one of his bigger hits The fourth or fifth movie, it's called Universal Soldier, The Return. And I only remember Mm. it has Goldberg in it from WCW. Um, Yeah, it's it's fine, but you could do a hell of a lot better for kitschy action movies from this era than Universal Soldier. The only thing I remember from this movie was the Siskel and Ebert critique
3: (laughs) on how it would have been so much more interesting for Van Damme to fight something, anything other than a clone of himself (laughs) as the climax of the movie. You know, oh, it's me with all my powers.
1: Which he would go on to do in all of his subsequent films. (laughs) I'm not kidding.
3: (laughs) But that stuck with me, and I I keep thinking that any time I see that as the climax of a movie, oh, you're fighting someone with your exact same power set.
1: Jean-Claude has fought himself in the same amount of movies Tom Hanks has peed in. (laughs) i'm not kidding time cop uh that other one anyway universal soldier eh. also Mm. moving into tv one of my biggest eh, i spent a ton of time with again fox is the new network and willing to take risks and this is a risk along the lines of nbc saying we're gonna move a late night cheap talk show like jay leno into our 10 o'clock time slot fox pretty much adopts the value and production value and you know scintillatingness of day soap operas and puts them in prime time and Beverly Hills. Not in in season one. What?
3: Yeah. See? Nope. Let's get into it. Melrose Place is the TV show we are talking about. Yes, Melrose Place debuts this week. season one is not the Melrose Place of your memory. Season one does not have the exciting plots, does not yes. have everyone sleeping around with everyone else. It doesn't have these, like, multi-pentagrams of who is doing who uh, behind who's back. Season one is much more sedate, much more boring, and the it's series so was boring. struggling. Mm-hmm. The first episode, the big exciting drama for the episode that's to draw you in is someone loses a roommate and has to find a new roommate to make (laughs) rent. (laughs) Drama!
1: But but it is is soap opera stakes, and I was looking at it, because I had forgotten this. It is getting a season order. Most television seasons encompass half the year. This is getting 30-plus episodes a year at one hour. It is basically quadrupling the content of your Seinfelds and your friends, there's a lot of footage shot for Melrose Place, and that's why it's kind of unrevisitable because it has so much just wheel spinning. 30, yep. 37 episodes per seven seasons, and what what happens is it it Heather Locklear becomes a guest star in the first season, and she to brings the trashiness.
3: Changes. She brings in the bitchcraft. Yes, and that <laughs> just completely changes Melrose Place. Mm-hmm. Without her, I think that it would have been. Uh, dead in the water in season one. It wouldn't have taken off. But she just comes in. She plays this character everyone loves to hate. And that sets up the writers to go, you know what? Let's go crazy, y'all. Yep. Let's start everyone cohabitating, sleeping around, having Heather get her chance to do her schemes. And then it just exploded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To give you an idea of how big this came, when the OJ Simpson trial was happening, Judge Edo personally requested episodes of bell rose to give to the jurors so they would have something to do while trapped wow. in their hotels Wow.
2: Uh, yeah and, I, I i like i never watched it just because you know i thought well it's just it's just 90210 for grown-ups yep. so at least there's going to be more sex uh, you know because it's created by darren star who also did beverly hills 90210 and, and it, sex it, in the city it might
1: have the first gay man-on-man kiss i think it it did somehow lay claim to that in a scripted series yeah.
2: Yeah, they, they, I mean, yeah, they, exactly. They pushed the envelope, but mm-hmm. um, every time I saw it, it was ridiculous and I just rolled my eyes and now I kind of feel bad where it's like the ridiculousness is the point. Yes, You should appreciate like the moment when Marsha Cross, we thought she was dead and then she comes back, but she's acting weird and then she takes her wig off and she's got a giant scar because she's Frankenstein now. <laughs> like, yeah, dude,
1: go for it. As, as a reference for, for no one, Heather Locklear was the Barnabas Collins to Melrose Place's Dark Shadows. It was the <laughs> character people loved, fell in love with, and then revitalized the show that was struggling and set, set its tone thereafter. She is yeah. the supernatural element. And so much so to its legacy, I shouldn't even mention this, it's too boring, and I'll probably talk about it later. The last Wayne's World sketch where Mike Myers is an c- actual cast member, Dana Carvey's already is already gone, is one big Wayne fell asleep and woke up in Melrose Place. And I watched it recently. Some of the characters resonated with me at the time. Nobody will get the entire last Wayne's World sketch. It is... <laughs> it, it, Heather Locklear is the host. She, she's in the sketch, but it's just one big Melrose Place sketch but that's how big it was
3: i just don't think drama lasts the way comedy does i think comedy sticks around and drama once the storyline is wrapped up nicely unless there's a ton of ambiguity like in the sopranos people don't have anything to talk about because you know how it all ends Uh,
1: maybe yeah i I, yeah i I think hbo figured out a way to change that a little bit by really pushing the envelope in terms of content and risk because you know breaking bad is a Technically a drama. I could. I've watched that series two and a half times. It's all good. Yeah. Um. But this will get to that. uh,
2: I mean. But this is this is built. Depends. But this is also. It's like. It's really badly written and it's yes. really cheap. It's like They, they with, don't care. I remember there was a big watch party in the dorms to see the, the, the finale of sort of this like saga with this lady and her stalker. And like part of it opened with her walking out of a police station going, I can't believe they released him. And they're like, well, it was a technicality. And guess what? He's in the back of her car at the police station. And it's like. <laughs> That was the sloppiest fucking writing
1: I've ever. Seen because in my it's,
2: life. Is this written by 10 year olds? Because its
1: foundation is soap opera. 30 plus episodes yeah, I, a year. It's, this is new for a majority of the year. No other show had done that in, in our lifetimes. Yeah. Not even 90210. So I'm not even really sure how they're doing it. But Melrose Place, I think it deserves to be. Kind of forgotten, even though they rebooted it a few years ago. Blah, blah, blah. I wasn't yeah. watching that. We have major, major AIDS acknowledgment. AIDS awareness is finally kicking up uh, seven years after it could have helped. Uh, in a New Light, a call to action in the war against AIDS uh, airs on ABC. And Yep, and because it's 1992, of course there's a
3: rap song. Hell yeah.
0: Now, you don't get AIDS for kisses, touches, you, you see the bite, throw so a hug, telephone, telephones, stop bugging, you get it for sex or a dirty drug needle, Ain't no or oral now, people. <laughs> women can give it to men and men mostly to women. Zach, <laughs> and once you get it, there's
1: no turning back for you. Dude, uh, this video is amazing because everything she <laughs> cited, they do a close-up on toilet seat and then a dancer dances around the word die when she says she will die. <laughs>
3: At the very start of the video, they do say things could end up so that uh, 110 million people have AIDS by the end of the century. It never really reached that level. Mm -hmm. Our best estimate is probably around 80 million total as of today. 36 million dead and then uh, uh, the rest infected.
1: And uh, we also have... this is an actual new show this week. Uh, Mark Ralston, uh, Michael Lerner, Natalia Tagoda, and Joe Mantegna, The Comrades of Summer.
2: I'm shocked that this predates Mr. Baseball. What? Because we yeah. get to talk about Mr. Baseball, and it's it's the same movie, but it's about you know an American baseball guy who whips the Soviet team into shape.
3: Yeah, but this is an HBO movie, mm-hmm. so it has a quicker production time than Mr. Baseball, but... Mm-hmm. This film has always stuck with me because it actually does a pretty damn good job of capturing a very specific moment in time. So I, I've i never been to Russia, but in 1992, I did visit uh, parts of the former Iron Curtain. So it was like places that had been communist less than a year ago I was visiting. And it was such a transition point. And mm. this film kind of really captures that. Point. A uh, major plot point in this film is how hard currency is king, and the American is an absolute idiot for exchanging his money at the official exchange rate instead of mm-hmm. finding someone to do it unofficially. And that was my experience as a 14-year-old kid trampsing <laughs> around, just like, oh yeah, don't don't follow the official doctrine. Find mm-hmm. this uh, guy in the alley, and he'll help you out. So, <laughs> uh, and it, it has this great scene that has also struck. With me on how uh, one of the Soviet ex Soviets at this point players has to do a series of trades in order to get anything done. Mm-hmm. It all has to be I'll do this for you and this and this and this and this until you finally get to your destination.
4: You got a backstop. For a Walkman?
3: No. For a Walkman, I get two cases of Italian windshield vipers. No. Yeah. For windshield vipers, I get one case of shampoo and one case toothpaste with fluoride and tartar control.
4: No. Yeah. For shampoo and for toothpaste, I make very good trade for pneumatic German nail driver for construction purposes. No. Yeah. For nail driver, I get
3: 244 latex condoms, excellent quality red. For condoms, I get backstop, fence on installation, and two voltmans. I keep one voltman
1: with your permit.
4: My permit? Milof, my boy, I think we're gonna get along just
3: fine.
1: <laughs> Silly. <laughs> Silly.
2: That's cute.
1: And we also have this week, The Streets of Beverly Hills, a failed pilot uh, hits networks.
3: Yeah, the the networks are burning off all these failed pilots Mm -hmm. because you look and it's just like rerun, rerun, rerun. So I guess they're just going, you know what? We spent the money. Let's throw this out here. And a Los Angeles cop transfers to Beverly Hills in order to get his son into a good school. But guess what? He's walking here. And the Beverly Hills uh, culture is not the same as his New York culture. Wow.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Moving on to the games of 1992, we're going to talk all Genesis. We have Tasmania, which is, yeah.
3: It's a solid platformer. The controls are clunky, but that's been my experience with a lot of Genesis.
1: I prefer the Sunsoft game, but this is Sega's initiative to have a lot of licensed western releases and this if you like the Tasmania show this is the game to go to the other one's just a taz game uh, atomic runner is also out Arch. uh this is a runner
3: before runners there were a thing i'm kind of amazed of it mm-hmm. it's based on the japanese game Chernoff, which came 18 months after the chernobyl disaster wow. and uh it's about mutants so they kind of changed its name for the u.s because they didn't want it to be quite so
1: chernobyl-ish arch rivals the arcade game that's a basketball game from a, i think acclaim which i only know because in acclaim's captain N ripoff they have so few characters to make all-stars it's like the fucking bigfoot monster truck and one of the basketball players from arch rivals sad. it's very sad Dr- dragon's fury is
3: also out this is the best pinball game on the entire Sega's Genesis library. Yeah, uh, we than recently Crew ball? talked about yeah we talked about combining zombies with pinballs and this is combining dragons and other fantasy uh, creatures with pinballs and yeah your ball kills the enemies so it's oh, pretty cool.
1: I did I hmm. I didn't I just wanted to mention this cuz it so rarely ever happens. Uh, Shout Factory announced a cool World Blu-ray Like today, as of this recording coming out in September, so it might have some cool special features. That rarely, physical media rarely gets an anniversary edition, so I just, exciting to mention. And then, last, the last game is one of Sega's bigger hits of the day. Let's see if the commercial can describe it.
4: Day 19. I am concerned about the crew. After all, Echo the Dolphin is not just a game,
0: it is an adventure. The graphics are so real; they don't want to go into the sea
2: anymore. Twenty-seven levels of danger, mystery, and beauty—all through
1: the eyes of a dolphin. Simply brilliant. Thank goodness, my trusty skipper Pierre has no interest in this new game. Amazing! Echo the Dolphin is kind of amazing, just because it's one of—it yeah. feels like what would be an indie game nowadays, but it's Sega first party, it
3: would be a great indie game. Mm-hmm. Everything bad about this game, and it is a bad game, I replayed it. I played it when it was out in 1992. And now all my memories of playing it are tarnished because replaying it, it is a bad game. The combat is bad. The gameplay is bad. The only thing not bad is being a dolphin. It captures the fun little jumpy part of being a dolphin. It has these beautiful oceans that you want to swim around. And if it was made today as a dolphin simulator... It would be awesome, but because they had to shoehorn all this 1992. 1992- combat. Oh, you you can't have a game unless you kill people. Here, kill kill with your dolphin snout and kill in such a way that it's very hard to kill the enemies and it doesn't respond well and you have a very small hit window and you'll get hit when it's not your fault and you'll run (laughs) into things when you can't see them coming because you have to go fast because you're about ready to run out of breath because as a dolphin, you can only hold your breath for a minute and a half. I can hold my breath for more than a minute and a half and I am not a Dolphin sir.
1: (laughs) I also want to point out that commercial is not in the style of Jacques Cousteau that was Jacques Cousteau. Wow. In the commercial and narrating the commercial. I think there are younger people out there that don't realize when you hear a French guy narrating maritime (laughs) marine life footage, it's because (laughs) there was one one guy associated with that for decades and like even in SpongeBob they have a Jacques Cousteau, Tom Kenny does a Jacques Cousteau four hours later. Yep. That's the Jacques Cousteau shout out. And But they ah. right before he died, they got him in here, this Echo the Dolphin commercial. Perfect. I
3: mm-hmm. hate to bring this up, though. Do you know the really fucked up origin of Echo the Dolphin? No. It's pretty it bad. Jaws? So the cre- creator has said he was influenced by John See lily this is a scientist back in the 19th oh i just oh, saw diana. diana make the o face she knows where this is going i know
1: too but tell the listeners so they can all go okay it.
3: No. he was really into interspecies communications so he flooded a house to have dolphins live in it okay And then he hired a woman to get close to a male dolphin. Oh, goodness. That woman began to get a lot
2: (laughs) closer. You you already figured out where this is going.
3: To the male dolphin. Exactly as close as you are thinking right now, listener. Uh Uh, Then they started injecting the dolphin with LSD. And then the dolphin was put into the... Hellish condition of a confined space, removed his lover of years, and then the dolphin committed suicide. <laughs> Dolphins can commit suicide, and this one did. Yeah. And John C. Lilly was taking ketamine. Uh, he put himself in a a tank where you can't experience anything. Mm -hmm. And he began to hallucinate that he was being contacted by aliens, specifically aliens that cut off his penis. And he ran to his wife and said, the (gasps) aliens have cut off my penis. And his wife said, no, your penis is still attached. And these aliens were a group called the Earth Coincidence Control Office. Echo. Wow. C C O
1: and that's how we get echo the dolphin wow all right and mo- moving on to origins minor what origins and- <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck indeed i didn't mean to pause not pause for the what the fuck but it is uh comic books uh james roadie Rhodes. This oh he, becomes, he war becomes, becomes
3: war machine for the war point. machine ah,
1: yeah yep. debuts in comics and iron man's a little
3: drink drink glug glug
1: I know, I know we don't have Iron Man in the movies anymore, but Marvel was always adamant: like we're not doing the drinky plots of Iron Man. Like, the, you mean the most famous storyline? <laughs> You're not going to do the that thing
3: that makes him the most interesting, yeah? Character? And, and that Robert yeah.
1: Downey shares an experience with? You Really, don't want to do that, and they never did. Yeah, they
2: and, they did one in uh, in Iron Man two. He where yeah, they it, one it scene where he got that, drunk, yeah, yeah, where he got drunk and put on the thing and endangered everyone. And I thought, God damn it. Senator Larry Sanders was right.
1: And uh Music 1992 will close out in 1992 with that Baby Got Back by Sir mix a number 1. We could not help but celebrate the wondrous music video. Please check that out if you haven't already. Other new releases include Countdown to Extinction by Megadeth, Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill by Danzig, uh, Everybody's Free by Rosala, The Hard Way by Clint Wax, Psalm 69, The Way to Succeed, and The Way to Suck Eggs by Ministry.
2: (laughs) Now, I was so tempted for us to go out with Jesus Built My Hot Rod because it is one of my favorite ministry songs, but there is a song that is shared by... Uh, psalm 69 and the cool world soundtrack
1: by ministry nwo so, the story yeah, of hulk hogan yeah. scott hall and kevin nash by ministry nwo we'll close out with that but stay right there people we got a lot more to talk about in 2002 Tharby dragons Arr.
0: Are you a content creator like the good folks here at 302010? If so, I don't need to tell you how time-consuming it can be to go searching for that perfect video clip, image, sound, or piece of music to put the finishing touches on your latest project. How nice would it be to have a huge library of royalty-free content at your fingertips? Well, I have good news. Storyblocks is here to help creators like you bring all your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks gives you access to a huge demand-driven library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. Assets are royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. Their unlimited all-access plan includes over 1 million assets in their library, including things like the background music you're hearing in this very ad. Whether you're a seasoned content creator or someone just dabbling with your first YouTube or Twitch channel, Storyblocks offers a selection of flexible subscriptions that fit every budget and scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on what's most important—creating. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at storyblocks.com slash 302010. Once again, that's storyblocks.com 302010.
4: You took all the trees and put them in a tree museum.
1: And charged
4: the people a dollar and a half to see them. No, no, no. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? it would be a paradise put up a fucking
1: coming in with big yellow taxi featuring Vanessa carlton from the Counting Crows. One of my least favorite songs. I I can't stand I, this song.
2: No, I like this song. I hate this cover.
1: Yes, yes. So do I. It is. It is. If Starbucks music had a like audio definition, this would be it. And I don't like mm. it. Don't like it. Welcome to 2002, though. Counting Crows still doing it after almost a decade. Other new releases include Back the Fuck Up Part 2 by Onyx. God, that took a while. Um <laughs> By by the way, by Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, A Gangster and Gentleman. Debut of styles, um, A Jackknife to a Swan by Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And Hot in Here by Nelly is still number one. Moving on to news of 2002. uh, The African Union is established in uh, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. First chairman is Thabo Mbeki, the president of South America. I hope I pronounced that (laughs) decently. I don't think I did. You didn't
2: Uh, get the continent right. Oh, I didn't? (laughs) Ethiopia? South Africa. South it's Africa. The the president
1: of South Africa. I uh, say yeah, my bad. Sorry. Tweaking out a little bit. Too much too much caffeine today.
3: <laughs> yeah, the big difference between the African Euro- Union and the European Union, uh African Union does not have a currency, does not have a free travel zone, does have a parliament, but it's advisory and doesn't really have any force of law. Yeah. Mm.
2: It's uh, the, I mean African Union is kind of like the UN for africa in that like they're good at keeping everybody organized if like they need to send in a joint military force because there's a civil war going on somewhere mm. you know they got to send in peacekeepers they can send in some peacekeepers
1: and uh, then moving on to movies of 2002 man in black 2 still number one at the box office which is impressive because the, wor- the word of, bad, the word of mouth bad was bad. not good but like everybody wanted the movie so bad it i think it outgrows the first one Uh, even though that typically doesn't happen with the kind of reviews Men in Black 2 is getting from both people and critics. And I want to get back to doing more laser times on the reg, and I think we finally have, like, when a reality show is so big, somebody makes the silly idea to give it a scripted movie. I had forgotten completely about David Wynn, Magda Zabransky, uh, and Terry and Steve Irwin in the Crocodile Hunter, Hunter movie collision course. Utterly silly forgettable waste pointless. of time pointless yeah. but this should have
3: been a straight up documentary they should have what? given the crocodile hunter a awesome huge budget do an even bigger episode of your show do something that you couldn't afford because of budget make that the movie instead they shoehorn a plot about a satellite crashing to earth cia wants it and then uh... they're hunting a crocodile oh, this, with
1: yeah
2: this whole thing is Baffling! I'm so glad that I actually watched this because, like, <laughs> as as a a fil- a student of film, this is narratively one of the most confusing thing that's ever been put on screen. <laughs> because I was expecting it's going to be like Steve and Terry, they're hanging out, they're shooting their show, mm-hmm. and then they get pulled into whatever a plot. And instead, we have they're off doing crocodile hunter stuff like oh look at this big bird eating spider isn't it great and he's like yelling at the camera because it's just like an episode of the show but they don't have the conceit that they're filming the show there's no crew with them like apparently he's just yelling at nothing and then like he gets called in like oh we've got a problem croc you've got to deal with it but that happens like an hour into the movie (laughs) and like it is unclear is it, it seems like he is a known quantity of people like oh steve Irwin, the yeah. crocodile hunter from the tv show but there seems to be acting at the same time like there is no tv show he's just hanging out doing animal stuff and yelling at no one about oh look at this snake she's oh, a beauty boy, and it's like w- this is so confusing why are you talking to the camera like you're on a tv show when there's no indication that there's a tv show and then Then, then, Yeah, then the CIA wants to get a MacGuffin that was swallowed by a crocodile who's being a problem (laughs) at Magda Sabansky's house. Uh, That's the wife from Babe and the star of Babe, Pig in the City. Wow. And and she's having problems with Park Ranger Faramir. And and there's all these CIA guys running around who are all played by Australians doing bad American accents that have been redubbed like a couple times like to get it right. It's so weird and distracting how everyone's voice is just a little bit off and, 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 uh, it so, makes no sense
1: but still a not a not a very cheap 2002 movie at 13 million dollars yeah. doubles its domestic American budget at the at our box office let alone what it does elsewhere steve Irwin is that his name is above the title even though he's playing steve Irwin. uh crocodile hunter is that big like i
2: if they had just made a behind the scenes documentary about crocodile hunter i would i would love to see that and there's like a bunch of there's like a montage of that at the end of the movie and it's like you know and there's like bindi and she's a baby and it's like Why don't you make a movie about the making of Crocodile Hunter or his background? Do a fictionalized version of his background. Here's an origin story of Lil Croc Hunter. Anything besides um, here he is doing episodes of his show and also here's cutaways to a CIA plot.
1: But it's just that we're still in that insane time when you become a celebrity. The only natural progression of success is to just get a movie instead of a product line or this and that there's so many other avenues for people to make money now but like this is how big the crocodile hunter was and i love 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 its teaser trailer it is visual but i only have to describe to you one thing this 30 seconds mgm is distributing the film in america it opens up with the mgm lion roaring and the crocodile hunter walks out over the logo and that's it for the teaser
0: good I'm Steve Irwin. You might know me as the Crocodile Hunter. Have a look at this little beauty, will you? This is an African lion. But I'm in no danger. He's become a Hollywood lion. He's been sitting in this MGM logo for 77 years. Tough job, mate. Of course, in my new movie, The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, we make this bloke look like a
1: real pussycat. <laughs> Yeah, I love so cute adorable. teasers. I so love
3: adorable. them.
1: Oh my god! And again, I told you this uh, is now.
3: I want. I want a Steve
1: Irwin biopic. Yeah. 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 This yeah. time. Hey, it's a
2: hard role to play, though. Chris Hemsworth,
1: yeah. he's got it. Uh, yeah, his son. Hey, his son oh, could do yeah, it.
2: Robert. Yeah.
1: And and again, like this is the week for fascinating movies. Maybe not stone cold classics, but like
2: I. I think we have a stone cold classic here, but I can't believe it's coming out in the summer. This is a, a November prestige movie we got at oh, the end of this. You,
1: uh, all right, Every, like
2: everything is weird. That's my point. Everything is weird.
1: I thought that well, that's this is one of the least essential movies of this franchise, and perhaps one of the most redacted. <laughs> and
3: which is interesting because it's the end of the first timeline. Yeah,
1: technically, but they undid well, yeah. several movies from that timeline. It's confusing. And look That's at this cast. Katie Sackhoff, Daisy McCracken, Brad Laurie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tyra Banks, Sean uh, Patrick Thomas, uh, Ryan Merriman, Thomas Ian Nichols, Bianca Kajelli, and of course, Busta Rhymes, Halloween Resurrection.
4: Six friends were chosen to stay the night. It's going to be fun. The audience will see only what you see. In the
1: house of the world's most notorious serial killer. This Friday, the broadcast is live. But the house...
4: What
1: just happened? Is his. Here! Oh, Michael. I know you'd come sooner or
0: later.
1: Halloween resurrection. Halloween resurrection, also known as Halloween eight, also known as Halloween three. Or <laughs> it's <laughs> very confusing because Halloween has, I think, three redacted timelines mm-hmm. and where they just start over again. And this is the sequel to Halloween Water, H two o. 20th anniversary, sort of Halloween Seven, sort of Halloween Two. This is held in very low regard, I found, from Halloween fans.
3: Right, many fans consider this to be the worst Halloween film of all time. Yes. Wow,
2: I I forgot it existed entirely. I thought it went up to H2O. Jamie Lee Curtis. Well,
3: they rebooted the series after this. And yes. then, this is then this then is the film that does so bad that they go fuck it.
2: Right. yeah, let's <laughs> let Rob Zombie do a thing.
1: Mm-hmm which was pretty terrible too. <laughs> yeah. And, and But this is, it has to be the least essential. And it's also one of those, like, I forget we were talking about something like that, but something like the I- Expendables, like this once in a lifetime, 20 years after the fact, return to form. And then when you make a sequel to that, you make it less special. Yeah. And this is, this could have been like almost any horror movie. It, it, well, it
3: uh, was any horror movie. Yeah. This was a script to a non-Halloween yeah. film. And they went, <laughs> oh, we have the rights to Halloween. All right, let's just control F, replace <laughs> a few words. There you go. Halloween film now.
2: I was kind of, it, it is very timely for 2002 that it's about like a reality show, yeah. is a big chunk of it. I would have thought they learned from Blair Witch 2 that something's different on video is not <laughs> as scary as you would think. Yeah. yeah, and to shoot that, that makes perfect sense that it was a pre existing script because the, those, two parts of the movie seem to have very little to do with each other.
1: And and I'd never get tired of saying that I grew up loving slasher flicks and just Halloween was super popular, like before my time. And I just had no love for the series at all. And I always found it kind of baffling, but the 20th anniversary movie from a few years ago did crazy money because I, I had to learn throughout the last 20 years how big Halloween was, how it inspired the Jason and Freddy that I loved. That's how that's how big it was. It's like, this is undeniable. We can't not let this franchise go. And you could just see, like, even 20 years ago, Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe not the biggest movie star in the world in 2002, was sort of like, dude, I'm not doing another one of these. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Meanwhile, the new Halloweens are fucking awesome. Oh, my yep. God. Halloween Kills is fucking wonderful. But this here we have... The least essential Halloween movie.
2: Wow. Don't, and that that includes three, which has nothing to do with Michael Myers.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that's essential viewing. And uh, also <laughs> came out in the summer of 82, techni- very yep. technically. Um, again, amazing year. Look forward to that podcast. The,
2: we then read another movie. How did this get made? I was so, complaining that it got made. But I, how did this get made?
1: I don't know if we did it on Mike, but Diana highlighted this as like, this is... You should watch this one because I hadn't. I, I maybe had casually seen like part of it on TV, but it is like a fucking balls out B movie that is campy and bad in certain certain good ways. That's Rory Keenan. Uh, Ned Dennehy, Alexander Sitting, David Kennedy, Scott Moter, Alice Craig, uh Gerard Butler, Isabel Skorupico, uh, and Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale in Reign of Fire. You've seen it,
4: haven't you? We never thought they were real. We were wrong. Good luck. On July twelfth, only one species will survive. Reign of Fire.
1: Ready to 13. Reign of Fire. And you,
2: so, okay, yes, let me just start here. Please. So, I need to find a movie set in 2021 to complete the hat trick of movies that got the apocalypse year correct. Okay, <laughs> because This takes place in 2020, and Soylent Green takes place in 2022. So, they nailed it. <laughs> yeah it turns out that the apocalypse was caused by the most terrifying thing of all the Docklands light railway in
1: london <laughs> that that's damn
2: me- that mass transit
1: like in Unless this dude's mother is revealed to be the dragon at the end of the movie, the first 10 minutes of this are the most pointless no, no. footage, footage there I've ever no seen. was
3: no reason <laughs> to have our hero be the young boy that unleashes dragons. Yeah. They should have cut out that entire subplot. It yeah. doesn't advance anything. It doesn't
1: inform just his character. Just tell us where they are and what the, yeah, there's dragons. Uh,
2: the only just, thing that I like about that is that his mom is played by the board Queen. So yeah,
1: she probably has something to
3: do with it. Oh my god! All right, I'm going to say this though: Dragon apocalypse is not any stupider an idea than a zombie apocalypse. Okay, we've just had so many zombie movies that we take it as okay. This is so uh, an acceptable way to tell the why the world ends. Yeah, but zombies are, as we know them, are an utter 20th century creation. Totally. Dragons go back to historical folklore. So if you just say yeah. Every couple, 65 million years, dragons are reborn and kill everything on the earth. Yeah. Sure. And also think, okay. think
2: and about the dinosaurs. And you know why they like killing things and burning things up? They eat ash.
1: So cool. So cool. <laughs> and, and so cool. And, and oh just God, like, you, you've had those nerdy conversations with your friends. Like, how do you survive the zombie apocalypse? Now plan for dragons. Better not make anything of wood. Uh, watch out because sure. these th- these things can and, fly and eat you and crush things.
3: And <laughs> they'll burn your crops to eat its ash. So yeah. where are you going to get your food? You
1: know. Yeah, yep. it's much scarier. And this, like, I don't love this as much as that the movie I'm about to mention. But like the proud b movie vibes of Tremors is yes. what yeah. this gives yes. me. Yeah.
4: Yes, yeah.
1: And it was a fun watch, and the effects. I was just reading on the wiki a second ago a little about the effects that, like, and I'd never heard it brought into words. When you, people make dinosaurs and dragons out of CG, they misfigure the polygons and then lay textures on so their skin and scales never move correctly. This movie hmm. sought to, like, no, 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 scales shouldn't stretch when a dragon moves. They're fucking scales. And, like, damn, these things still look pretty good. Yes, these are the
3: best dragons until Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, yes yeah. yeah that's I was just about to make that the lead in like the game there if you if you look at dragonheart <laughs> that's a terrible c g <laughs> yeah. dragon uh the the road to game of Thrones is in reign of fire,
4: yeah uh, it, it was is also uh surprising.
1: Filmed in rural
3: Ireland, mm-hmm. so you get a lot of very pretty scenery. Unfortunately, they had an outbreak of hoof and mouth disease, oh. so suddenly they were under a whole lot of restrictions, and it cost the movie plenty to try to overcome that.
2: Yeah, it's just like I said, it's 2020 and everyone's quarantining.
3: There's a bunch of really good little moments in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: honestly, I found
3: the Star Wars scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bit of touching it's like these kids have nothing but you're giving them some drama and some wonder in their lives
2: that's one of the scenes that you know kind of sold me on this movie as i'm watching it like what the hell because the idea is dragons have been loose they've been loose for you know about 20 years they're fucking up everything and you know a little bit of humanity has retreated to this castle you know with christian bale in charge and they got like a bunch of kids and they're running a society and they you know they're doing their best but it's not going great and yeah the idea that's like you got to entertain the kids and so you're just going to start acting out movies yeah that's exactly what people would do
1: i i I just got to that level in lego star wars where there's no tv so you have to act out the story of uh luke and vader (laughs) to the kid Uh, sorry neither here nor there but
2: yeah but it's Uh so that's fun and then you know it it is a very gray Oh, movie. Yes. i mean it's it, you know there's supposed to be a northumbria and it's just sort of like old coalfield looking places but then matthew mcconaughey and a bunch of americans show up for the most contrived of reasons like they don't even bother explaining how, how is this american here and why does he have a tank and a helicopter and the helicopter makes everyone go like holy shit a flying thing that's not eating us and they're like <laughs> we're here to fuck up some dragons we kill them that's yes. our job. We come around and kill him. We don't just hide. He is We're Quint from... Matthew
1: ah. McConaughey is cool. Quint from Jaws. Yeah. Yes. It's in this dingy cool. Ireland scene. This is like... I can't... They, I, I honestly can't... Just... I had it in my notes. Of all the movies I thought would have been based on a comic book, it would have yeah. been this one and yeah. not the next movie we'll talk about. Yeah. And, 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 yeah.
4: True. And, 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 and so yeah. I just want
1: to give it credit because it's it's based... It's an original script. Like, yeah. a yeah. decent the, size the effects movie. original
3: script was going to cost $400 million to (laughs) film. And they went, we can't quite afford that much for your dragon movie, sir. So they they did a great change. But honestly, I would have loved to have seen deeper world building into this. I'm a geek. I would have loved to have seen the council meeting where they're trying to decide, well, we're all starving. Should we harvest early and get some food, but then starve next summer? Or do we risk it that the dragons won't burn us down? Because that's the big thing facing them is starvation right now and that's when he shows up with essentially the plans to the death star he is i figured out here's how we kill the one dragon that will kill all the dragons and that's the uh the macguffin that sends them to the heart of the dragon's lair to kill them with what i regard as probably the last high tech in the world like they're the U.S. bases are all just huddled up in Cheyenne Mountain and they're just like, well, this is the only thing we have left. Let's send it to the one shot we have to end this threat once and for all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, it cracks me up that this is the third McConaughey movie we've done in three weeks. And each one is so different. And yeah. and yet, they're all very McConaughey. And this yeah. is him just going batshit so much of the time.
3: And that's why I think this is the First reconnaissance. This yeah. movie is starting off the first reconnaissance, and the second one was started with uh, Magic Mike uh, 10 years later and mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I thought it was a fun, goofy watch. You know, go in there expecting it to be a dragon apocalypse, and it delivers.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's very, yeah, Tremors is a good way. Tremors has a lot more humor in it, but yeah, that it's. It's a B movie, knows it's a B movie, Mm -hmm. directed by a guy who did a lot of X-Files. That's about it.
3: And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will be shocked to learn that Christian Bale underwent extreme weight loss for this <laughs> uh, He thought it was an apocalypse movie, so people would be starving to death. So he lost a ton of weight, but then he learned that he was going to be in some fist fights against some buff people, so then he went big and bulky. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it Yeah,
2: he was a bit bulky for someone who they're starving to death. <laughs> like, I know you're doing a lot of physical labor, but you're not getting any protein. I, I, not unless I, you can eat Dragon. I don't think you can. I if you rem- take a down, can you eat it? I don't
1: know. I remain mildly shocked. This wasn't a massive success at the <laughs> box office yeah. initially, but neither was Dragonheart. And that had like six made-for-video sequels. I'm pretty shocked this wasn't readdressed somewhere, not unlike Tremors. And the only yeah. reason I can attribute it that it didn't is because this is just one of those studios Disney owns, and they have other franchises. Interests at this point and none of them involve modestly successful touchstone movies and which didn't make a lot of sequels to things
2: yes this is a disney movie about the dragon apocalypse
1: yeah but But no
2: rain of fire it's fun it's it's fun (laughs) it's weird it's interesting it's it's a good watch it is a solid b movie
1: solid b movie not based on a comic book unlike the next movie
2: i love bringing that up when people complain about comic book movies i'm like yeah that ghost world and road to perdition what a
1: bunch of shit <laughs> kieran hines jennifer jason lee dylan baker stanley tucci daniel craig jude law paul newman tyler hawkland uh, and uh tom hanks and sam mendes's follow-up to american beauty one of the it's road to perdition mike sullivan must escape the
0: only life he has known for his son you saw everything they're gonna come after us get down For his soul. I'd like you to turn a blind eye to what I have to do. Road to Perdition is the best crime drama since The Godfather. Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, Jude Law, from the director of American Beauty, Road
1: to Perdition. Neat. I watched this so much back in the day. Uh, I didn't get a chance to check it out before this, but it seems right up Diana's alley with its Miller's Crossing-y... Um, yes yeah uh, you know,
2: it's it's got that look baby mm-hmm. it's it's definitely you know it's it's a mob movie but it's also you know a father and son movie we've got a couple different versions of fathers and sons who get along in different ways uh yeah and tom hanks playing a bit of a piece of shit mm-hmm.
3: yeah in a 2002 mindset where he's coming off forrest gump and castaway can you see tom hanks as a gangster yeah
2: yeah someone that people are afraid of when he. Yeah shows up i mean he tommy guns a bunch of people and when he shows up somewhere mob enforcers are like oh shit it's him yeah it's pretty cool
3: more than that he plays an uptight reserved sullen character who doesn't say much
2: Mm -mm. i don't think
3: that's a role
1: he's ever played before or since yeah no he's a talky man
2: yeah that that is true and i i think he does a great job so the story is tom hanks is a mob enforcer for paul newman his son witnesses them killing some peoples and then daniel craig as paul newman's shit son i think it's one of the first places i saw daniel craig he's much improved his american accent by this point <laughs> and the shit son tries to kill the kill tom hanks's son kills tom hanks's other son now tom hanks and the kid are on the run and plotting revenge. And does this sound familiar? Does this sound like Lone Wolf and Cub? Yes, it does. Hmm. It is entirely a homage to, yeah, it's a gangster version of Lone Wolf and Cub, which is rad.
3: Yeah, But here's where Daddy Rawls comes into play. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks makes a very bad and, in my opinion, immoral decision in this film as a father. It is incredibly sad that his wife and other son were killed, but he's given a chance to take $25,000 and then disappear with his still living son to... Rural Ireland, some podunk town, beach in Mexico. He oh. Yeah, say exactly. what's an A.O. <laughs> and his other son, who's now alive, would be safe and secure. And instead, he chooses the path of revenge, which utterly puts his son in crosshairs, where he could have died at any moment. And that's a very bad thing to choose. Yeah. Uh, The title is Perdition, which is the state of eternal, when your soul is in the state where it will receive eternal punishment. Yeah. So that is what Tom Hanks is in, because as Paul Newman says, look around, we're all murderers here. One guarantee, none of us are going to heaven. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, then also goes back to Lone Wolf and Cub, that the the path of revenge is called the road to hell. Yeah. And so... Or we movie could be called Road to Hell but that's uh it sounds like a different kind of movie. Road to Perdition sounds fancy. Paul Newman's last screen appearance?
4: Yeah.
2: Uh in, in a film, I think he did a TV movie and mm-hmm. Cars.
4: Mm-hmm. Cool.
2: But he's fucking nails it with very little screen time and Jude mm-hmm. Law is so creepy. He's so creepy. I love his character which I guess, guess was not in the graphic novel. But they just wanted to add someone who's hunting him to, you know, up the stakes. And he plays a crime scene photographer based on a guy named Ouija who doesn't mind when someone's not quite dead to finish the job. He is.
3: That was such a perfect scene because he's filming a crime scene. The cops have left and he's just filming it. And the murder victim is suddenly showing signs of being alive. And he's like, well, if he's alive, this isn't going to sell me. my picture so i'll just put this rag over his face and there now he's dead dead
2: yep and yeah i love that there are allusions to capone is aware of what is going on around here because this starts outside of chicago and then goes to chicago and i think they filmed a scene with anthony LaPaglia, i think is capone and i love that it's not included Hmm. that there's it
3: works better as a force heard and not seen
2: yeah Yeah, that's like uh uh-oh Stanley Tucci's on the phone with Al Capone and no one looks happy. Yeah, it's beautiful cinematography. Nothing too objectionable for teenagers. Like, Mm -hmm. it's an R because they they say fuck a couple times. But even considering the bloodshed...
3: Bloodshed is minor. It's not like reveling in the gore.
2: Yeah, it's. I'm kind of surprised they didn't just pull it back to a PG-13. They could have. Wouldn't have been too hard. It's one of those like, I remember I enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. And then watching again, it was like, I have no notes. I think this is just nailing it. It ends up being a really interesting, you know, meditation on like how fathers fail sons, how sons fail fathers. Is, you know, blood thicker than water? Is your chosen family more important than your blood? And, uh, and you know, when you're seeking revenge, uh, dig two graves. Wow. Yeah. Loved it. What's so strange, though, is why is this coming out in July? <laughs>
3: it is a prestige film yep it doesn't feel like a summer movie to me so oh, it's, it's i think it got weird. it got
1: lo-
2: thanksgiving time movie for oscars
1: i think that's why it gets lost in like the great movie conversations because hmm. it didn't come out during that time and you you had you were forced to think about it in between reign of fire and men in black too
2: weird it's so weird that they chose to do that but i i just i can't say enough good things it was kind of my big surprise of the week of like oh shit this was better than I remembered. I loved it.
1: And like most summer movies, the only Oscars, it's, it primarily, other than Paul Newman as a supporting actor, it wins posthumously for Conrad Hall because he dies Uh-oh. after making this. So it wins yeah, for cinematography.
2: Yeah, legendary cinematographer. And it's got a, a wonderful score mm-hmm. by uh, Thomas Newman, which you hear in trailers still to this day. It has a really, really nice score.
1: Yeah, this, this movie deserves... Doesn't deserve to be for, as forgotten as it has, but uh, yeah. given its rated R status, lack of awards, it you know didn't get a lot of repeat viewings on television. But man, if it did, it would be so, man, people would still be talking about this. Like the way I discovered Miller's Crossing, yeah. hard to discover, yeah. and it's streaming on Netflix. Yay. Yay. Nice. And Paramount Plus. Wow, it's everywhere. <laughs> so, Road to Perdition, people. Don't let it be as forgotten as it is. Um, yeah. Really fun. Yeah. M- moving on to television in 2002. Monk debuts, a show I've always assumed I would like and have never watched.
3: The the show is pretty hazy on whether the murder of Monk's wife in a car bombing causes his OCD to develop or whether it just makes it more intense than it always was. But the basic gist is he becomes a consultant to the police because his OCD allows him to solve crimes better than the police can. To me, it's part of the my mental problems give me superpowers subgenre. You know, uh, and I get mixed feelings over that. I've had uh, people say, one hand, they're just happy to see people with their mental problems on screen. On the other hand, I've heard people say, well, I I really don't like that. It shows that it gives me superpowers and that I'm only useful if I have superpowers.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, But also Tony Shalhoub is wonderful. Adorable. Yep. And, and uh yeah, and and you know, every show has the, has to have like the disgruntled captain who's gotta deal with him, and this one's Ted Levine. Just because he's Buffalo Bill doesn't mean he also can't be funny. He's a great <laughs> straight purpose. man. He's a great straight man. <laughs> Just right. like, oh God, I'm so sick of your shit.
1: Eight seasons. Someone shoot me. One of uh the first huge hits for USA Network. And I, I think I've ended up seeing it syndicated elsewhere, which is just odd but yeah tons of monk fans i'm a big tony shalhoub fan i just didn't have access to usa network for a while still don't and then uh the show spy groove ends
3: it's a satirical canadian cartoon on two spies they're sent by their boss to find strange and bizarre things all over the world it's an mtv teletune fast-paced dialogue and bizarre character
1: and in uh utterly heartbreaking news for the zeitgeist uh fox news channel overtakes cnn as the number one rated news channel
2: we're all gonna die
1: and and i don't say that as because i'm not politically aligned with fox news if i can say as apolitically as possible fox news has succeeded by turning news into entertainment and making every day seem like everything is 9-11 all the time (laughs) aunt jemima is 9-11 dr seuss book Is is 9-11. Joe Biden canceling him. All these things that aren't really ever happening, but designed to make you mad and tune in through the worst commercial breaks in television, by the way. Oh, my God. The most respectable ad they have is for an indestructible flashlight. And (laughs) terrible. Because
2: because a lot of advertisers won't advertise with them because they do and say terrible, terrible things.
1: I know I said this on another podcast, but uh, there was a website, UnFox My Box. Fox News, carry your cable channel pays... channels a carrier fee in order to carry them espn has the highest carrier fee because blah 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 live sports commands typically the largest audience in cable fox news is the second most highest so if you pay for cable a massive chunk of your bill is going to fox news whether you watch it or not and you need to let them know that you might not enjoy paying for that if you're still paying for cable so on fox my box i think at the very least Its justification for existence is bad, and that's because it's profitable. It's not real news. It misinforms people. It makes people in my life personally mad all the time in a way I don't think is healthy and not for the right reasons and shouldn't be in the news category of channels. It should be in the entertainment category. How about that, Comcast? And, and, and the ripple effects. Uh, I just have
3: to plug my uh, two month news sabbatical. It is <laughs> a wonderful world I'm living in right now. The sun is shining, and the sky is above me. And the do, do uh, yourself Earth a favor. Don't
1: Google Fourth of July because it, now different things are popping up in the news category for that. But 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 I always say that because Fox News sensationalizing everything. This utterly mm-hmm. ridiculous fabulism of. Yeah. news as entertainment had ripple effects to all the other news channels so they're almost as bad and yeah. uh, oh,
2: sensationalizing and politicizing yes. there are some things that aren't political they make them us versus them
1: and and the biggest thing that I've sounds noticed, like something one of you would say <laughs> even, even the news what cha-
2: you people what do you mean you?
1: even news channels i prefer and don't think are bad i tune in to get information and what i end up getting is for professional people who've read the same article I have and basically do a live podcast about it. Yes. I get no information, no scoops from television news. I hate it and it's bad for you.
3: I, I I never got into news on television. I started reading the newspaper when I first got into news and I found out it gave me far more news yes. than my local news ever did. Scoop-ish. And then when the internet came along, I was just like, well this is way better i can get like your hour-long news program in five minutes Mm -hmm. and i i don't want i've never have watched news on television and i don't really get it i I
1: don't need to explain that to our generation i think they can see there's better ways to get yourself informed than waiting for an eight o'clock for your favorite talking head to come on that's an old people thing
2: we're just constantly having to vamp and fill time while you're waiting for new information to come in to discuss Mm -hmm. which means everyone gets to sit around and speculate Mm -hmm. and repeat themselves and throw out ideas and now that idea is caught on well it turns out that wasn't the right idea that was just some guy
1: or 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 talk about white (laughs) replacement theory and then pretend that you didn't i'm not speaking to the certain news channel here but again we mentioned this because it remained pretty consistently the number one rated news it has fallen here and there but year in and year out consistently fox news is still the number one rated news. it's where news viewers go to die and i don't know what they're gonna do in 15 years but uh i hate seeing it it's bad for you stop watching tv news it should maybe go away start when ted turner dies we should just get rid of it 2002 video games I'm very confused by this. Sid Meier's Sim Golf? Yeah, yeah. It's not a war game, not a flight sim, not a grand strategy
3: game. Uh, You run a golf course, and you can play that golf course.
1: I know, but he uh, didn't come up with the term sim. He's the civilization guy. He's (laughs) the
3: civilization guy. I get it. It, It's confusing. Will writes Sim Golf, but it's not Sid Meier's. Sid Meier's Sim Golf. He just really like golf you fine-tune your golf course build it up to the game's equivalent of the pga to hold a tournament there and then you have to deal with cameras and other things it's not a deep economic simulator but every aspect of the game works with every other aspect of the game which is classics sid let's
1: let's close out our 2002 with one of the more notable songs of at least this week but it's still on the radio by the way by red hot chili peppers not a bad jam even yep. though really tired of the red hot chili peppers. But stay right there, people. we got a little more to talk about in 2012. Stay right there. glow By the way I
4: tried to there Wait
2: Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 8th through 14th, yep, we got uh, we got 50-year-old, we got 40-year-old. Uh, 72 and 82 have been kicking ass, so let's just get to it, starting with 50 years ago this week, 1972 saw the release of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, the Planet of the Apes movies just keep getting
4: weirder.
2: I, yeah, I like it, though. I, I don't have Any, like, real hatred for any Planet of the Apes movie where I think, like, oh, that one just blew. What, Chris? Hold the phone here.
1: This is the second best original Planet of the Apes movie, and it is the basis for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the excellent series of reboots. I'll leave now.
2: All right, you heard the man. It has an
1: R-rated cut on the DVD that is excellent and very violent. Check
2: it out. All right. Well, I mean always kind of had a soft spot for escape because of the campiness and but then it does have like the saddest ending of all time but uh, a movie that i really really want to recommend to people it's shocking that it is from 1972 that is 50 years old because it feels like it was made for today the candidate directed by michael ritchie starring robert redford and peter boyle which is about a political candidate who's kind of an idiot and doesn't actually care And is just interested in being famous. I know, it's shocking, right? And it turns out, like, politics is extraordinarily cynical. And for a movie that came out pre-Watergate, it is hitting every fucking nail on the head. I didn't realize the guy who wrote it, Jeremy Larner, was a speechwriter for Eugene McCarthy when he was running for the '68 Democratic presidential nomination. Yeah, The Candidate, I watched this only a couple of years ago. I don't remember if it was pre- or post-Trump, and I was like, oh my god. They've known. They've always known. Damn it, movies. Tell us more. Anyway, 40 years ago this week, as we continue the ridiculous year of 1982, saw the release of, you know, a movie I can't fully endorse. I feel like it's more important than it is good, but it's better than its reputation used to be, and I feel like its reputation has been fixed somewhat over the years. Tron. Tron turns 40 this week, starring Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner and David Warner. I'm always happy to see pop up you know, uh, weird effects, early computer graphics. Its understanding of what computer programs are is a little bit fanciful, but it's it's still different. It's a big swing, you know. Uh, I really ended up enjoying Tron Legacy, and so I've tried to go back and watch the original Tron, and it just never quite clicks for me, but I mean, it really had a reputation as being just this abject failure for Disney. And so many people have gone back and reevaluated it and said like it's it's a big swing. Like Cool World, but I think it's a lot more successful as a big swing. And so yeah, Tron 1982. Check it out. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
4: tornado flew around my room before you came excuse the mess it made it usually doesn't rain in southern california much like arizona my eyes don't shed tears but boy they boy. when i'm thinking about you who no 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 i've been thinking about you you no no no
1: Coming in to 2012 with Think About You by Frank Ocean off of Channel Orange, uh, which is on Rolling Stone's Best 500 Albums list. Huh. Did not know that was even that updated.
2: They updated in 2020.
1: July 8th to the 14th, uh, our final segment, 2012. Other new music releases include uh, Skeleton by uh, Aesop Rock, Swing Low uh, Magellan by Dirty Projectors, Murdered Love by P.O.D., Hari Carey by Serge Tankian, Union of Crowns by Barry Tomorrow, Life is Good by Nas, Psy6, uh, Six, Six Rules by Psy, <laughs> which is foreshadowing the fall. His Gungam style will be out in Kind of becomes a major hit based on the video. Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen is still number one. Man, I never would have pegged those in the same year. See, this is why I love the show. 2012, a little bit of news to bring you into the world of 2012. The American Episcopal Church becomes the first large U.S. church to approve a rite of blessing for gay marriages.
3: Yay. Yeah, so- 80% of the church leaders voted yes, and uh, then they were disciplined by the Anglican Church for it. They got a three-year, essentially, Sanction where they couldn't like vote on Anglican affairs because of that.
1: Oh, I, I think in my hometown, this created sort of a split in between certain kinds of religious people, some who were <laughs> idiots and some who weren't. Moving on to 2012 movies, July 8th to the 14th. Never heard of this. And if you try and Google it, I bet you'll get a lot of Xbox news. 360 starring Rachel Wise and Anthony Hopkins, Jude Law, Ben Foster, Jamel DeBose, Mortiz Bledelthru. I've never heard of 360.
2: I hadn't either, but, like, it's written by Peter Morgan, who wrote Frost Nixon and the Queen, and it's directed by Fernando Meireles, who did, like, City of God, and did he do uh, Constant Gardner? And it, all the reviews were sort of, like, because it's about... It, it is sort of, like, one of those interwoven stories-type mm. movies, but it's about, like, people's sexual relationships and the different kinds of sexual relationships. Fun. And that should be fun, and that Yeah, most of the reviews were sort of like this had so much potential, and it just sort of falls
1: flat. And I believe much like the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. uh, and I, I think a holdover from last year as well getting a yeah. m- much bigger release.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, these are all small releases because uh yeah, there's a heavy hitter.
1: I know Everyone it just it doesn't it doesn't seem like heavy enough hitter that everybody would move out of its way, but all these movies are just like I don't I don't know Olivia Williams, David Morse, Martin Donovan and Collaborator. I have not heard of this either. Uh, uh writer gets held hostage.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah, the reviews on that were kinder, except that you know they said it feels stagey, but it's directed also directed by Martin Donovan, who's one of those kind of a mid level hey, it's that guy that I'm always happy to see pop up. So, yay! And
1: then, uh, almost uh, lastly and leastly, we have Mike Doyle, Patty Lapone, Tammy Blanchard, and Mira Sorvino in Union Square.
2: Yeah, I did want to get to see this because it's written and directed by Nancy Savaka, who retired for a long time and then came back with this. We talked about Dogfight, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Dogfight that she made. I like. I like that it's about sisters, but there's also like a class difference between the sisters, and that Mia Sorvino is very much from Queens, and her sister is trying to hide. You know, she, it tells everyone that she's from Maine, and it, you know is like trying to reinvent herself, and then like, Mia Sorvino shows up, like cousin Vinny and just ruins everything. And yeah, the reviews again were like really good, and that the performances are really good, and it's hard to find, and that makes me grumpy. Dude,
1: it is hard to Google. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because every, every major city has a Union Square in it, too. So and and many Square of them movie.
1: have a Union Square oh movie theater, and, like, it just... Yeah. No, I don't want to go to Regal Cinemas in uh, San Francisco. I want to yeah, learn about this movie that has yeah. all but disappeared. Because it's they're all terrified. ...of the blue and white juggernaut coming their way. Featuring Alan Tudix. This guy, this guy is I like two dicks. Ben Glebe, Aziz Ansari, Nick Frost, Kiki Palmer, Josh Gad, Wanda Sykes, Chris Wedge, uh, Josh Peck, Sean William Scott, Queen Lativa, Jennifer Lopez, Drake, Nicki Minaj, Peter Dinklage, Dennis Lear, John Leguizamo, and Roy Romano. It's number one in the box office because it's Ice Age's Continental Drift. Their problems... many no! ...are going from big... To mammoth.
4: Ah! This July, your ship belongs to
0: me. Uh, ain't gonna happen, Captain. We're all gonna survive this. Yeah! Okay, maybe they won't. Ice Age Four: Continental
1: Drift. <laughs> For the Ice they, they did call it Ice Age Four in this promo. Neat. It right, yeah. is the fourth Ice Age movie. Oh, uh, personally-
3: it's you know, it's not bad, yeah. but I'll be shocked to find anyone who watched it as an adult 10 years ago and can tell me one thing about this film.
2: It's got pirates.
1: <laughs> I had bounced.
2: This, this one had pirates in it.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's about it. Uh, it's, it's, yeah.
1: I, I just I, mean, give- I just want to give a quick shout out to the laser time Facebook community because I did for the league of their own stuff, but I had the sailor moon news, but also questions from myself. That was dutifully answered in a way that was thorough that I I never could have Googled given like three hours. I had to hear from someone who was there. And for the Ice Age conversation I brought up before, I think in the context of Disney being so rich and capitalism swallowing everything, it can throw away a billion-dollar movie franchise and nobody notices. But somebody had explained like, they may not be considered classics in America, but overseas Ice Age movies are massive. And if you have seen SeaWorld, which are all over the country, sort of had to pivot to other things, and there's a lot of Ice Age stuff. And then if you go to independent theme parks all over the country, they had that Ice Age, they licensed that Ice Age stuff too. There was a bunch of Ice Age stuff in Noah's Ark, Wisconsin Dell's largest theme park in the country. Ice Age is huge in a way I don't think we are of the age and qualified to talk
3: about. It's fairly rare, for an animated series to reach four in theaters, you oh, yeah. can have four sure. direct to DVD sequels, whatever. But to get four films in the theater, yes, that's rare. And and Fo- I mean,
1: Fox specifically, pre Disney acquisition, had struggled mightily to get animated fare out there. Think of stuff like Titan A.E. and uh, one of that stupid Pigeons in Disguise movie. Mm-hmm. Ice Age was their hit, and they double, tripled, quadrupled down on it real hard. And this movie makes almost a billion dollars domestic. Like, it's huge in a way that I don't think we can comprehend. I think we've all said... I don't know a kid whose favorite film is Ice Age, but I bet someone at Disney said, I don't know a kid whose favorite film is Fly to the Navigator. Let's never address this or reach any, release any merchandise. And they were wrong. Uh, and I'm still <laughs> mad about it. So I, I hate yeah. shitting on the Ice Age movies just because they don't look good. <laughs> they- it,
2: it is amazing, yeah, that they're they're putting them out at a pretty quick pace yeah. and they're putting them into theaters. And I don't think, I mean, I, I'm not a completist on this entire series, but I don't think I've watched any of them where I was like, I feel insulted. I'm right. I am angry. I watched that. Sure. No, no all-
3: none of them like, are bad, bad. It's just,
2: fine. like I said, I believe they're
1: forgettable. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, but fifth highest-grossing film of 2012.
1: Even though they they continue wow. to raise the stakes, like every it's always yes. about like the collapse of their civilization.
2: And you heard from that voice cast; they keep adding yeah. new major characters, and, and it just keeps expanding and expanding. And they still find like stuff for everybody to do, and you know, just everyone gets some sort of little character moment. Uh, this one we finally get to see Scratlantis. <laughs> which uh, I loved. I'm sure they uh, have to yeah. pay out
1: the nose for now thanks to that lawsuit. Look yeah, up the well, Scrat lawsuit. It's again, but... and, and just the on-screen romantic pairing of Ray Romano and Queen Latifah. That's something that you can only really see or believe in, in animation. It works. <laughs> and it's just and, fun. And it
2: totally works, yeah.
1: Does, does huge, huge, huge business and now is kind of a dead franchise because Disney acquired it and doesn't care. They already have an animated property set in snow. They
3: they made a direct to Disney Plus film this year.
1: They did, but if you didn't hear me, they fired the entire blue sky studio and shuttered it and none of the original cast is in that movie and i would yeah. like to know why and because... nobody cares enough to even do reporting on it yeah <laughs> why not get the original cast back i wonder if there's some issues there uh, for me my favorite
3: thing is that the blue sky animators unlike the day before they left yeah. decided to animate scrat finally eating the nut yes. i thought that was a nice <laughs> little thing there was
1: a do. one minute video released online i think semi-anonymously but is official from officially from the studio and moving into 2012 in television oh man a bunch of shit I don't know at all perception debuting on TNT this has what I refer to as freshman stoner
3: philosophy talk the TV show vibes going for it
1: okay now here's something that's really gonna alter your consciousness reality
3: is a figment of your imagination what bro who here hasn't Woken up breathless from a nightmare and thought, "Oh, thank God, it's just a dream." That's because the neurochemical impulses fired when we're dreaming, neurochemicalizing hallucinating, are indistinguishable from the ones banging Get around inside our skulls when we actually those events. Cannot be stinged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I prefer. The Doctor Strange theory that every time we dream, we're creating a multiverse. That is just Uh, a wonderful thought to have. But yeah, such power. How many
2: multiverses are there where there's a version of me who hasn't studied for this test? Oh,
1: there are so many toothless versions of me who didn't show up to class the whole semester.
2: (laughs) I mean, is it just one universe where I haven't studied for the test, or there are literally hundreds of them? Literally hundreds. God damn it. Anyway, yeah, Yeah. Eric McCormick from Will and Grace. (sighs) Again with the um oh he, he has a this, he, uh, he has a a mental
3: problems. Problem. He has he's a paranoid yeah. schizophrenic who struggles with hallucination and those gifts allows him to make connections that help the
1: FBI, yada uh, yada yada. Uh, <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> Two seasons, though. Yeah. For TNT, I guess that's good. Also at ABC this week, the debut of Trust Us With Your Life. This seemed like an
3: interesting concept. It didn't last, though, but it's from the same people who gave us Whose Line Is It Anyway? And what they do is they have guest celebrities come in, like Jerry Springer, Florence Henderson, tell their life story, and then a group of improvisers improvise that life story in a humorous way.
2: Oh, that is fun. Mm -hmm.
3: And uh, Fred Willard, host, and he's going to be coming up in a news segment very quickly.
1: Yay! I'm sure it's good news. I know exactly what it is. Damn it. Yeah,
2: well, there are a couple stories out of movie theaters that week. (laughs) There's
1: Uh,
2: the happy one, and there's the not happy
1: one. We also see the debut of Beverly Hills nannies on ABC Family. Did y'all know rich people have nannies? No, they do. I don't
3: fucking care. TV show about those nannies. We do. Ahead, we- to get a play date on Rodeo Drive and plan meals with your personal chef.
1: We do, but we call them old pals. Yes. Fuck the
2: nannies. Fuck the kids. Fuck the rich people. Fuck everybody. Yeah. I don't fucking care. Leave them kids alone. First of all, don't put kids go. on reality TV. Period. Yeah. Ever.
1: Pink Floyd that shit. Beverly Hills nannies. Who gives a shit? Uh, move on to games of of 2012, and also not very notable. La, La Mulana on the windows.
3: But yeah, yeah. It's a remake. Uh, it's a two D explorative Tomb Raider game where you play a guy in a fedora who has a whip, mm-hmm. but he is legally distinct for some <laughs> reason.
1: Uh, why don't you just call him Amazing Alex? No, oh, this is a g- already a game called uh-huh. that out on dro- Android and iOS.
3: It's a physics puzzle game,
1: Rue Goldberg machine like mm-hmm. Rhythm Thief and the Emperor's Treasure is on three DS.
3: Professor Layton, but with rhythm games instead of puzzles.
1: And hmm. the stupidest game I looked into this week—that is, I think I can conclude—utterly gone and unobtainable. Frogger Hyper Arcade Edition for Frogger's 30th anniversary.
3: I—that was my experience too. I wanted to play this. I played Frogger back in the day. Good old nostalgia. It's my drug of choice. And this version looks like a hyper edition of Frogger. It's got like battle Tron modes, feel to it,
1: multiplayer, uh, widescreen. Frogger
3: deathmatch, mm-hmm. twin frogger mode, where you're doing two froggers at once. It sounded Ooh. super fun. You can even get like a Castlevania skin to your frogger, which sounds cool yeah. to me. But yeah, seems to be unplayable. Uh, prove, prove us wrong, listeners. Yeah, Let us know. Available on
1: PSN, WiiWare, and all that has sort of disappeared and come, occasionally comes back piecemeal. I pride myself in knowing nerdy trivia about games because it used to be my job, still kind of my job. I did a laser time a few, like, a year or two ago about stolen soundtracks in video games. I didn't know the Frogger soundtrack was stolen, that it is lo-fi video game recreation of a show, a song that was on an anime. It wasn't until the creation of the internet we would even be able to know that, because we would never have seen that show. But it's one of the things, surprisingly, people don't know, because when Frogger gets re-released, they have to remove that music now. No one... In America had even noticed that the soundtrack was stolen. I think somebody won a lawsuit here and there. So when you see it re-released now, and I went looking into this game, seeing if they had the original music, but they are remixing so much with bass and new instruments. It's kind of not there either. But I just remember when Arcade 1UP semi-recently released a machine, people were shocked to find the music removed. And it's just one of those things. (laughs) Almost none of that nerddom overlapped. Uh, Anime, Japanese speakers, Frogger music, but yeah, Frogger, Frogger's original music. It's If you find a version uh, with the original music, you might have a collector's item on your hand. Anyway, let's. we got to talk about who died and who lived, and we'll have a quiz about who lived during this period, but a little bit of pluggery from us. Patreon.com slash laser Time supports the whole network. Five bucks, free bonus shows, trying to get everything up and running again. Feeling good, and I'm feeling creative, and I can't thank everyone enough for their support. Die. where can people find you?
2: you can find me on the twitter at listening nerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at 302010 podcast that's 302010 podcast and coming up next week we have a lot oh shit we have a lot to talk about we've we've got uh the sequel to something where things are shrunk and now they are opposite of shrunk
1: one of my favorites
2: I was afraid of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. You, you can't, I can't wait to see how much I have to say about that movie.
2: I It'll be interesting for me to rewatch that for the first time uh, in a long time. Harrison Ford's getting in a sub and going to go kick some ass. Uh. Or not. <laughs> I'm, that's one I'm very curious to watch, honestly, because yeah. it's one of the few Catherine Bigelow movies I have not seen. And yeah. then, well, we've had two weeks of Tom Hanks. We've had three weeks of Matthew McConaughey. Next week, we turn it into two weeks of Christian Bale in Ooh. a row. Because there was a point... In Reign of Fire, where Matthew McConaughey, in a sleeveless vest thing, opens his arms wide and says, come at me, bro, Adam. And then they have a fight. And I'm like, well, that looks familiar. Mm. I wonder if we're going to talk about that next week. And it will be this podcast (laughs) wrecking. Let's
3: do it. JR, what about you, buddy? I am taking a social media sabbatical. But when I return in August, it will be on the Twitter at Jr. R-A-L-L-S.
1: And Jr. and I have been doing a bunch of bonus shows about some of the movies, in-depth on in the 80s movies of 82 specifically, because it is a fucking rip-roaring summer uh, <laughs> of stuff you need to revisit, watch, love. Patreon.com slash Time. Anyway, who's dead this week? Wow, what? <laughs> yeah. In
2: 1992, we lost the last executioner in Britain. His name was Albert Pierpont and he was 87. Wow. Britain outlawed the entire death penalty in 1969. Previous to that in the 50s, they he, Albert Pierpont was the hangman. They still hanged people. Yeah, but today. we still hang people. Yeah. No, we do not.
1: Well, not we legally, but, but we do still execute people. And I do believe they try and keep those people semi-anonymous or at yeah. least a step removed from what they're having done for the state. So you're saying like, this guy was like an out executioner that people knew yes. the name of?
2: It was the me. official no. executioner. How'd they do it now? Like with lethal injection, I believe there's like multiple switches and everyone yes. presses them at the same time. So no one knows who actually did it. Kind of like putting a, you know, one blank round in a yes. firing squad no albert pierpont that was his job he was a hangman
1: wow period hang- not cool <laughs> but something else but good on britain for getting rid of your death penalty jesus christ yeah. america
2: yeah uh, that's nice and then 2002 is when we lost rod steiger that's who's a ridiculously good actor and also appeared in a lot of shit but on the waterfront in the heat of the night the pawnbroker holy shit do you remember man. the last
1: movie we saw him in as part of 30 2010 no. He has a voiceless cameo and the player shoving food in his face at a buffet. It is like the least glamorous <laughs> cameo in that entire movie. And I'm just so happy he did it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know, what's really weird is that he originated the role of Marty in the televised play. Because mm-hmm. that's how they did things back in the day. And then yeah. 10 years later, but same week, 2012 is when we lost the movie, Marty. Ernest, Ernest Borgnine, who made it to ninety-five. Great film. And hey, speaking of SpongeBob SquarePants, the original Mermaid Man, <laughs> the little kids know him. But from here to eternity, The Wild Bunch, yeah, Marty, he's fantastic. And I really, he was one I was really thinking was going to make it to a hundred, just because Close. he was one of those guys who's just happy to be old and does not give a shit.
1: Happy to be old and like didn't seem to exercise, and life couldn't take him down. Thought he would make it to that yeah. uh, centurion.
2: Well, he told us what his secret was on a live mic. On a new show, <laughs> someone said like, "Ah, it is what are you doing?" He's like, ah, "I can't tell you my secret." And then he leans over, and their mics totally pick it up, which says, "I masturbate a lot." <laughs>
1: <Man>. <laughs> He's a hero, and I don't know. This is not a, this is not good for Rod Steiger anecdote. But if mm-hmm. you've never seen On the Waterfront, fucking great film, and Marlon Brando's performance in particular is like pioneering an acting style that didn't really exist. And according to him, it was because he hated Rod Steiger's acting so much. Those pained expressions, you should have looked out for me. You should have protected me. That's because he hates what Steiger is doing. (laughs) And and it's bringing him pain. And it's one of the coolest performances in cinematic history. But people are dead, Uh making way for new people. Because we have to do what JR.
3: And real quick, it looks like hanging is still a legal death penalty what? in Delaware.
2: Oh, oh, so you can choose it if you want it. Right. Yep. But no one has experience with hanging. So Since I would.
3: 1996 was the last hanging in the US.
2: Wow. 96? 96. Oh, my gosh. But
3: in lighter news, ah. a small dog, <laughs> not unlike Lassie, has passed away in the parking lot.
1: <laughs>
3: uh. Uh, now get ready to laugh at the birthday quiz. Birthday quiz.
1: Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo Oh, birthdays. Give
3: it up. Born July 8, 1958. So turning 64 64. It was born
2: in when Philadelphia
3: we... Pennsylvania
2: will we still need them will we still feed them
3: <laughs> just yes. Diana wants to yes. make a
1: Beatles reference I want to make a will Smith reference I think we got to keep going <laughs> all
3: right can, can, can you do a mashup of the two um, I just with no West Philadelphia paperwork. born and
1: raised on the playground <laughs> We' spent most of me days
3: up. I'll take it we <laughs> I'll right. we'll take it He is one of six
1: children. Mm.
3: His father appeared on the cover of Time magazine in November of 1964 Okay, for being a prominent architect. He made his film debut in National Lampoon's Animal House in 1978, and in his words, when the movie came out, I was still a waiter. I had to ask for the night off in order to go to the premiere, and he ended up Spending his paycheck for that movie in one week.
1: I think <laughs> I, I think I know this.
2: Okay, and, well it, I'm just running through everyone. Uh, hold on in it, the does, does, his, does his does his day. first
1: name end with an N, Jr. Does his yes, okay. his first name does end with an N I know this, but I want to keep All going right. for the sake of the We
3: will keep going. Some films of his we've talked about include Whitewater Summer, Planes Trains and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, The Big Picture, ah. Tremors. <laughs> that line. There you go. Yeah, I knew as soon as I got to Tremors. Uh, no. And his I Kevin Bacon known- number is zero. No. The I only should've... man with a zero Kevin Bacon number. Uh-huh. <laughs> originally, originally he hated the Kevin Bacon gang, but he has come to embrace it. Other movies of his we have talked about include Wild Things, uh, Hollow <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, Frost Nixon, X Men, First Class.
2: Yep a dependable fucking guy. I love yeah. that. He is just turned into a character actor. Yes.
1: Yes. Like, like he, I feel
2: like that's who he should have been. This
1: it's whole time. difficult thinking of him as kind of a child movie star that had another good 10 years, but now just like makes amazing choices and is awesome and everything. And my favorite thing, I'll never get tired of bringing it up because somebody should do it. Robert England is, was asked, on something i saw like who sh- who would do you think should be freddie krueger and he doesn't it's there's like zero hesitation he's kevin bacon kevin bacon Psyched? should be freddie krueger and that, that's shitting. it and like jesus dude that's such a good idea oh it my god an <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah I love that shit
2: he got robbed for awards for jfk fucking love how creepy
1: <laughs> <laughs> not a bad looking man mr Mostyn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's going for it and i i'm here for it
1: god i love kevin bacon oh starving and too
2: he plays music
1: um yeah and uh he's done so many things and nobody has a piece of shit story about him cool
2: i i haven't heard one in fact i've heard a nice one where anytime he goes to like a wedding or something he immediately <sighs> goes to the dj and throws him like a 100 bucks and is like you're not playing footloose
1: i saw that yeah he's like <laughs> and he yes. said it's not because yes. i hate it it's because everybody yes. expects me to dance in like Dude, this, the wedding is your movie. It's not the Kevin right. Bacon show. That will be the story everyone remembers and not yours, so I don't want right. to do that. That's and, sweet.
3: I appreciate that. That's good of him.
1: I, also,
2: can everyone hear the drag racer next door?
1: I don't know. Can you hear the torrential downpour that's coming? I'm, I'm terrified we're about to lose power, so let's close out <laughs> as quickly as we can. With Everybody's Free to Feel Good. Oh, my... Uh, rosala is this the opening of the second season of venture brothers my favorite openings ever
2: no this is the original dance song by rosala that is uh pretty freaking awesome it's been remixed a whole bunch of times the aqua gen one is the one you're thinking of oh, from yeah. venture brothers which is so great mm-hmm. but the original absolute dance classic love it yeah
1: well let's close out with that thanks for listening to the show tell a friend patreon.com slash later time we'll see you next week
2: I know you've
4: been Yeah, Every-